Welcome. We are glad that you are here. Uh, if this is your first time or third or you just consider yourself new, um, something we want you to know that we believe is vital um, to the life of the church and who we are is this, that you belong here. That, that when, no matter what you've done, where you've been, who you are, we, we just want you to know you belong. Um, and what we mean by that is uh, we, we believe that you don't have to believe to belong. That, that you are welcome simply because you are part of humanity. That, that the story of the gospel, the story of God, and what you'll discover about us is that we believe that God moved towards humanity, uh, meaning he, he moved towards us. And that was way before we cleaned up or we did anything that we thought we had to do to belong. Um, he, he, he just invited us in to belong and then along the way taught us who he was. And so... Um, if that's you today, welcome. We're glad you're here. As you can tell, um, we have plastic. More importantly, we still have a building. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're happy for that. We're not trying to uh, meet outside today. So, um, so far, uh, my understanding is there's more I-beams up there than were there before, and there's more uh, holes in the wall and plates and all that kind of stuff. But um, next week, I guess they really start taking chunks out. But here, here's what I want you to get. Um, while it's going to be phenomenal to have the stage back and we're, we're redoing a whole bunch of stuff, um, that room back there that they are building that you, uh, most of you will never see, um, you will never be a part of what goes on back there, but you, you need to understand how, how important that room is because when that room is complete, we're going to be able to broadcast anywhere in the world. Yeah. From little old Prescott, you know? So, um, Excited for what God's doing. The countertops went in out front. Um, you'll have to wait and see how those work, but those are um, a little bit of, uh, if California is home for you, which a lot of people it is, um, it's a little bit of the good of California. There you go. Um, bringing, bringing the beach to us. Um, so welcome. We, we are under construction for about four to eight weeks, so bear with us. Screens are further out. I mean, things, things will keep moving and switching and changing, and, um, but just, just bear with us on, on that side. So we are in the second week of Retro Soul. And so Retro Soul is our summer series. We kicked it off last week. If you missed it, here's your quick catch-up. The word retro means to imitate um, or copy something of worth. Now, the key word here is worth, okay? So, so to imitate or copy something of worth. Now, if you go on and you Google retro, uh, retro style, uh, you begin to notice that some things are coming back around that uh, probably shouldn't have come around the first time. You know what I'm saying? Um, so things like, I was just told recently that Baggy's coming back in. I'm like, oh no, dear God, let's not. Let's not. Like, we don't need to do that. There's no reason for that. Um, you can keep that to yourself. Did it the first time. But what I realized is that they cost, like if you're going to buy retro clothes, they cost a lot of money. Like you need to know, we didn't pay that much the first time. Like it didn't happen. Like I wish I would have kept my clothes. I could make a whole lot of money right now. Um, but, but reality is like the idea of retro is something of where I, I hang out with music guys, some from the creative arts stuff, and they're always talking about the 80s synth sounds coming back in. And I'm just like, why? It wasn't that good the first time. Like, why are we, why are we going back? Like, so um, retro means to imitate or copy something from, from the past. By the way, can we talk about mom jeans for a sec? Like, come on, that's a thing. Like they're just big and baggy or like, 
I don't know if you know this, but your, your pants aren't supposed to cover three quarters of your body, right? Right? Let's, let's just leave it at that. Okay. So, um, but, but the idea behind it is that it's something of worth that, that's worth copying or not, which brings me back to bell bottoms. Remember they came back? Should have stayed out the first time. Anyways, okay, so um, retro, retro is this idea of imitation copy, that, that it's something worth. We believe, we believe that um, we need, we need, our souls need um, to imitate and copy some of the stories from the Old Testament, some of the things we find out to be true about God. That if we're going to bolster our souls from the inside out, then our souls need to get a little more retro. And, and so we're looking at all summer, we're looking at stories of faith and we're looking at um, characters and we're looking at how God interacted and we're just pulling out different principles and going, what if we took these principles over the summer and we bolstered our faith? Because just like we just talked about with this room, we have no idea what God is doing. We just know he's on the move and we're going to follow him wherever he goes. And so for us, we, we are going to need strong faith to be able to take those steps. And so for the summer, we're just saying, hey, we just want to anchor in and bolster up our retro souls, that our retro souls would be something we could stand on. So we're going to dive into another story. Um, before I do, I'd love to pray. God, we come before you. God, and when we say that, we come before a God who sits on a throne, who is king, who is creator God who is above every other God that's ever been invented. A God who does not need anything we have and yet created it all for us. God, you've given us air today. You've given us water slides to enjoy. You've given us family to enjoy it with. You've given us um, God, a, a surrounding where we get to worship. God, today, would we honor you in all we do? God, would you speak? Would you take your word and would you open it and would your spirit speak strong today? Would you speak to our souls? Give us what we need. We are hungry. Would you feed us today? We love you. And everybody said, amen. So um, if you have a Bible, 2 Kings chapter 6. Second Kings chapter six, God and I had a fight this week. Um, he won just in case you're curious, but, uh, I said, Samson was cool because Samson got long hair, super strong, like did some crazy stuff. Like let's learn about Samson. And God said, no, let's go back to second Kings. And I was like, we just did second Kings last week. He's like, we're going back again. I'm like, but second, but Samson, like, come on, God. Like Samson, second King, he's like second Kings. So we're in second Kings, um, just if you're wondering. Um, second Kings chapter six, verse 24 is where we're going to dive in. But before we do, uh, there's a little bit of background you need to know. Because in second Kings chapter six, what you find is a story about Elisha, who's a prophet of God, who speaks on behalf of God. We talked about him last week. Um, but you, you find that the Arameans, the, the people from Aram, they're still sending raiding parties down to Israel. So Israel are God's people, the Arameans are Ramon's people, and they're coming down and they're essentially picking on small towns, sending raiding parties, and they're kidnapping people and destroying stuff, right? So, so on one of these parties, as the army's coming down, Elisha um, calls out to God and he says, make them blind. And so the entire army goes blind and he leads them by the hand into a city called Samaria, which was the capital. He leads them into the city, this blind army, and then they can see all of a sudden and they realize they're in the enemy's 
capital. And the king goes, should we kill him? Elisha's like, what's wrong with you? No. Like, feed them, send them home. Like, they'd learn their lesson. And what it says next is, is that when um, that happened, when they returned home, the raiding stopped. So these little things that stopped, notice what happens next in verse 24. Sometime later, Ben-Hadad, king of Aram, so, so same, same, we talked about Ben-Hadad last week. It's, it, the God there is Ramon. His name means son of Ramon. So essentially the deity, the son of the deity is coming, right? So what he says is ben, king of Aram mobilized his how much? Entire army. This is not a raiding band and marched up and laid siege to Samaria. Samaria is the cap, was the capital of Israel, right? So, so in that, he goes and he lays siege to it, meaning he surrounds it or he blocks off all entrances and all exits. So, so he's now, the, the raiding parties were, we're going to come and steal and take from you. These were, we're showing up with one in 10. You're either going to surrender or you're going to die, but you won't exist when we're done. And, and so he begins to lay siege to it and maybe just, just kind of as we go, just tagging retro soul thoughts in here. A retro soul thought to get us started is this, that your life is going to have sieges. That your life is going to have sieges. Maybe you're not in one today and, and, and maybe you have never been in one. You have no clue what I'm talking about. Um, consider yourself extremely lucky. But your life is going to have sieges. You know why? Because just like there was a physical enemy going after God's people, we have a literal enemy, a spiritual enemy called the devil, who, who we talk about the devil. And it's like, oh, yeah, he's Satan, right? And, and we kind of, it's easy to make jokes. But you need to know that there's an enemy today that is not happy with the fact that you're sitting in church today. That there's an enemy today that, that isn't happy with any steps you take towards what God wants for your life. And, and you're going to end up in a situation where you have a siege on your life because the enemy is trying to get you to quit, get you to surrender, or he's trying to get you to die. Either or he'll take. And, and so what happens is we, we, we get in this space where we have sieges on our life and there's responses that come out of it. An example for me, man, I, I, I stood here last week and, and I began preaching and I was like, man, it's really weird. My nose started running today. Like, like, what's up with that? I had allergies. I went to a wedding the day before and it was in a field and there was horses and I'm like, oh man, I probably got horse, horse fever or something. Right. <laughs> and so, and so, um, as the week progressed, I lost my voice and got sicker and it's been a week long process. And I was about to call pastor Mike Saturday, like, dude, you better have something in your back pocket. Cause I don't know. And, and, and that doesn't sound like a huge siege other than I know the enemy doesn't want me to stand here today. And so the fact of that is we're, we're saying no, not today to the enemy that you can do what you want, but you're not going to stop what God is doing. Right. And I think for us in our lives, there's, there's a lot of that. There's a lot of moments where, where we, need to, we need to recognize it for what it is. We need to know the siege is coming. I bet if we took a mic around this room and we began to ask everybody who's been following Jesus for a while, you're going to get a common theme of the siege came. Or I'm in it still. By the way, if you don't have a short story to share, that's the point. Just hang on. You're going to have one. 
you're going to have one. And in this case, um, I I made you a really nice map last week. So we'll show it again just because it's so nice. Um, Mediterranean Sea, Lebanon, Aram, and Israel. Aram is coming down now. They brought their whole army down and they've encompassed and sieged and placed a a surrounding. and, And they're very intentional with what they're trying to do. Check out the next verse. Look at this. There was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for 80 shekels of silver and a quarter of cab seed pods for five shekels. So so hang on, a a donkey's head. Okay, now I'm not partial to what I eat a lot of times, but a donkey and the head. And what what the writer's trying to tell us is what they were doing was working. That, that food that was, that was less desirable, that, that normally you wouldn't eat, is actually being sold for a good amount of money. That, that the famine, the idea was if you close off and you can't get supplies in, then you're stuck. And the idea was either sooner or later you're going to get so hungry that, that you die or you surrender and go outwards. Next verse. As the king of Israel was passing by on the wall... A woman cried to him, help me, my Lord, the king. Okay, seems reasonable, right? He's going along. He's walking along. Woman calls up, help me, my Lord. What's the natural response right now? What can I do? Right? How can I help? That's what happens. Remember, king of Israel is the one that's showing the world what God is like. The king replied, if the Lord does not help you, where can I get help for you? From the threshing floor? From the wine? He is essentially going, if God's not helping you, how am I supposed to do it? Which, which is a classic case of the king is what? Overreacting again, going, how am I? Where's his focus? On himself. What do you want from me? How can I help? What, what do you expect me to do? How, how do you expect me to show up right now? What's the next verse? Then he asked her, what's the matter? Oh, now he gets to it. Okay. She answered, this woman said to me, give up your son so we may eat him today. And tomorrow we'll eat my son. That's in the Bible. So notice what they do. So we cooked my son and ate him. Any moms in the room? Ever wish you would have eaten your young? (laughs) Hold up. What is happening? So the famine is so extreme that the best option is I'm going to cook my kid. Now here's what's interesting with this, right? So, So if you go back to Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy... God clearly told the nation of Israel, if you disobey me, if you walk away from me, if you leave, if you do what you want and don't follow me, I will send, this is the Lord saying, I will send a famine so severe that you will eat your own children. What is happening here? 
Deuteronomy is coming to life. Why is the siege happening? The siege is happening because Israel decided that they were going to follow after evil ways. It specifically says with the king of Israel that the king did evil in the sight of the Lord and he led the nation according to that. So he chose to be disobedient to God. And so what God does is God goes, I'm not going to let you get away. I'm going to pursue you. I'm going to chase you because I am just jealous for you. Do you know that today God Almighty, creator of the universe, whatever picture that creates for you, who holds the world in his, actually it's probably one hand, maybe maybe on a fingertip, it's that small to him. The the God who holds it all, the God who is in all, the God who created it all, that that God is crazy about you today? Did you know that? It says that he's actually jealous for you. Do you know what that means? It means that he will pursue you. He will chase you down. He is not satisfied when you choose to not live for him. I got news for you. If you're a believer in the room and you're not living for God, good luck. Because he's going to pursue you and pursue you. And he's going to press you if needed. And he's going to siege your life if needed. Why? Because he cares about your worship that much. Because if you put your worship to anything else, he knows it's second best. And God is jealous for you to have first. You know what's crazy? I'm not worried about my kids going off the deep end. I'm not scared about them making wrong choices. You know why? Because I did. And you know what happened? The Holy Spirit didn't give me any peace the entire time. Sin's fun, or sin is fun. I don't know if anybody told you that or not, but it's true. I don't know if we're supposed to say that in church, but it's a lot of fun. But if you know God, you will not be able to do it with peace. You can't. It's impossible. Because he will pursue you. He will catch you. He will force you to your knees. Why? Not because he's mean. Not because because he knows the best way for you to live is in the hands of Almighty God. And he's pursuing a nation to the point where they're eating their own kids. And this, this comes back to the retro soul thing. Trust the hand of the Lord, not yours when you're in a siege. Trust the hand of the Lord, not yours. Why? Because you don't know what you'll do to try and get out of the siege or try and meet your needs within the siege. I guarantee you, if you took these ladies and said, hey, there's going to be a siege. And when it is, you're going to eat your kids. They would have looked at you like, you're crazy. But somewhere along the way, they decided they were going to trust their hand and not the Lord's. And in trusting their hand, what happens is they end up doing some atrocity. Can you imagine the loss that they suffered? Not only are they in a siege, but now they've lost their children. All because they chose not to trust the hand of the Lord. I don't know what your siege is today, but can I tell you that sieges are from enemy and they're from the Lord. And sometimes the Lord puts a siege on you because you haven't been everything that he's called you to be. And there's a day to turn around. Next verse. Uh, Back one. I think we went to. When a king heard the woman's words, he tore his robes as he went along the wall. The people looked and saw that 
under his robes, he had sackcloth on his body. Now, sackcloth was um, goat's hair. You took the black goat's hair and you made like a cloth out of it and you wore it. And the idea was it was like scratchy and itchy and and coarse on you and uncomfortable. And and so the idea was you wore it as a symbol of every time it itched you, you remembered, oh yeah, I'm in repentance. I'm sorry. And I'm I'm in that state. Um, So he's doing that. I don't think he really means it. Look at the next verse. He said, may God deal with me, be it ever so severely, if the head of Elisha, the son of Sephat, remains on his shoulders today. So he, so he goes, okay, I'm going to wear this because I'm sorrowful for what you're doing. Um, but he instantly goes, I know whose fault it is. It's that man of God, that prophet. He's going to lose his head today. Um, what's he doing? Which way is his fingers pointing? Right at Elisha. Maybe the next thing for the retro soul is this, that when you're in a siege, the natural thing to do is you are either going to blame or you're going to own it. You're going to blame or you're going to own. You're going to look at everybody else and say, why it's all their fault because you're in this siege um, instead of owning what, what it is that you can own in that. What, what is God trying to do? What is God trying to move? How is God trying to grow? How is God trying to take me from where I was to where I am? You'll do one or the other. You'll either blame or you'll own. Next verse. Now Elisha was sitting, so he says, I'm going to get Elisha's head. Now Elisha was sitting in his house and the elders were sitting with him. The king sent a messenger ahead, but before he arrived, Elisha said to the elders, don't you see how this murderer is sending someone to cut off my head? Look, when the messenger comes, shut the door and hold it shut against him. Is not the sound of his masters, the king, footsteps behind him. So he's going, hey, when, when this guy gets here, he's after my head. But when he gets here, let's do this. Hold the door shut because the king's coming. Next verse. While he was still talking to them, the messenger came down to him. The king said, this disaster is from the Lord. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? Again, what is he doing? This is the Lord's fault. Couldn't be my fault. Um, can, we, can we talk about this last line for a second? Why should I wait? If you're in a siege today, and for me, I've been in a siege for a while with my wife and her health. Um, can I encourage you that he's in the waiting? He's in the waiting. The Lord hasn't forgot you. The, the, the Lord hasn't all of a sudden forgot. Where did I place that city that's under siege? He hasn't forgot the city. He hasn't forgot you. He hasn't forgot the siege that's on your life. In fact, what he wants you to know is that he's in the waiting with you. That he longs for you. Why? Because he longs to see you grow. He longs to see you trust him more. He longs to see you be all that he's put in you to be. And he's in the waiting with you. He hasn't forgotten you today. And while you may feel like the Lord's forgotten, I got to tell you something, he hasn't. And look what happens in this story. Elisha replied, hear the word of the Lord. This is what the what the Lord says about this time tomorrow, a say of the finest flour will sell for a shekel and two says of barley for a shekel at the gate of Samaria, which all that translates to this. He goes, hey, listen up. Within 24 hours, which 24 hours is a what? A day. He goes, hope is coming within a day and here's what's going to happen. The city will be back to normal. It will be out of famine and the stuff that, that should cost cheap will be back and plentiful and you'll be... So, so what he's saying is, listen, and listen, today's the day. Today's the day. He's going, he's going, listen up. Today, today is the, uh, the day you've been longing for. Today is the day about this time tomorrow. Everything's going to change. The retro soul knows this, that today is the day. 
the retro soul knows that today is the day that if the Lord decides today is the day, today is the day. You know what words you need to speak over yourself every single day if you're in a siege right now? Today is the day because the Lord's going to show up. Today is the day because if the Lord's in it, then it's going to happen. Notice what happens. Next verse. The officer on whose arm the king was leaning, so the king's leaning, said to the man of God, look, even if the Lord should open the floodgates of the heavens, could this happen? He goes, hey, 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 man, you don't realize how bad it is. Even if the Lord opens the floodgates, good luck. It's not going back to normal. Could this happen? You will see it with your own eyes, answered Elisha, but you will not eat any of it. So Elisha goes, oh, you'll see it, but you won't eat it. Hashtag savage. Right? <laughs> Elisha goes, you'll see it, but you doubt it. Um, can, I, can I tell you something about whose arm you lean on? The arm that you lean on has your ear. Okay? The arm that you lean on has your ear. What I mean by that is whoever you choose to lean on, make sure that they are building you up and not pushing you further into the, the, the misery of your siege. Right, here, here's what I mean, right? Because the king, the king is leaning on this guy's arm and this guy is full of what? Doubt. He's full of hopelessness. He's full of death and destruction. He's full of, oh, look how bad it is, right? You ever, got, you ever met somebody and you go, oh man, your life is so bad. And then you meet the people they're with and they're, all they can talk about is how bad this person's life is. Do you know that the arm that you lean on has your ear? So who do you lean on? Does the person that you lean on, do they speak hope and life into you? The person that you lean on, are they found pushing you closer to God or pulling you away from God? Because whoever you decide to lean on and whoever you surround yourself with, that is the, the natural propensity of your soul is going to follow that. And so the retro soul knows that I'm going to choose that who I lean on, they are going to, in this moment, point me to hope because I don't have any. In this moment, they're going to point me to life because I don't have any. In this mo moment, they're going to point me towards a God that can do anything. In this moment, they're going to remind me that today is the day. Who has your, who has your arm? Because whoever has your arm has your ear. Next verse. Now there were four men with leprosy at the entrance of the city gate. They said to each other, why stay here until we die? So, so now the story switches, right? So you got the city. That's, that, that's right here. It's locked up. Why? Because over here, there's, there's the whole army, the entire army of Aramaeans, right? In the middle, you have a little shed. And in that shed, you have four lepers. Stuck right bang in the middle outside of both groups. Why? Because they have leprosy and people with leprosy in those days weren't allowed in the city. And so leprosy is a skin disease that, that eats your flesh and ends up rotting your hands and, and your joints. And essentially it kills you in the end because it just continues to eat away. And because, because of that, you were put outside. We, we find these men sitting where? In the middle on the outside. Next verse. If we say... We'll go into the city. The famine is there and we will die. And if we stay here, we will die. So let's go over to the camp of the Arameans and surrender. If they spare us, we live. If they kill us, we die. So, so these guys are sitting in the middle going, okay, we got some options, bro. Let, let, let's, let's place some bets. We go here, we're dead. We stay here, we die. 
We go there, we surrender. It's about 0.5 chance. 0.5 chance we're going to make it. Okay, let's go. Right? Next verse. At dusk, at when? Dusk, they got up and went to the camp of the Arameans. When they reached the edge of the camp, no one was there. No one was there. Everybody say hi to Dana, by the way. She's been doing this all day, and Dana's awesome. Sorry, Dana. You were so good. You were so quiet, but it's just good. She serves like crazy, and we are blessed. No one was there. Uh, Hold up. Hold up. They limp across the desert to however far it was to the camp. They get to the camp, and as they're entering the camp, they're yelling, unclean. They're announcing they're coming because no one wants to be around them. They're outsiders. They're outcasts. And as they're announcing that they're coming, they all of a sudden make a discovery that no one was there. Next verse. For the Lord had, what's that next word? Okay, that's not good enough. Um, that's, that's good from some of you, but we need all. Okay, this is group participation. For the Lord had... That's the most important word you'll get today. It's the most important word you'll get. That in the midst of a siege, the Lord caused. The Lord caused. That, that's an action. The Lord stepped into the moment... And notice what happens. The Lord caused the Aramaeans to hear, to hear, to hear the sound. To hear the sound of chariots and horses and a great army. So so the Lord, the Lord shows up. But he doesn't show up in power and in might. And he could have showed up and just destroyed the whole camp. He doesn't. He shows up in a sound of his presence. And the sound of his presence makes the enemy leave. Look at, look, the king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the, and the Egyptians to attack us. Notice the next verse. So they got up and fled in, in the when? The dusk. That's important. We'll come back. And abandoned their tents and their horses and their donkey. They're like, leave it all. And they left the camp as it was and ran for their lives. Why? Because the sound of the Lord showed up. Here's what you got to catch about the dust piece. They leave at dusk. When did these guys set out? (laughs) They come limping across the desert. And these guys are like, we're out. We hear a great army. Can I tell you, all you need today is the presence of Almighty God to show up in the sound. And your siege is done. That your God just has to show up and breathe. And whatever it is that you think is unsurmountable, whatever you think that has a hold of you, whatever you think you can't conquer, whatever has to go at the sound of the Lord. Don't miss the power of your God in this moment. And don't miss the beauty of your God because who does he hand it to? Four outsiders were the first people invited to the party. Next verse. The men 
who had leprosy reached the edge of the camp, entered one of the tents and ate and drank and ate and drank and ate and drank. Like, think about it for a sec. If they're eating babies in here and these people naturally, when life is good, eat the scraps and they beg. Imagine, imagine what the state of their health was when they made the trek across. Remember, they're in desperation. Sometimes desperation in the midst of the siege is your best, best friend because it might just force you to take the step of faith that God's been asking you to take all along. And so they step out and they begin to move. And as they're moving, can you imagine, imagine this moment when they get there and there's food? Because <laughs> the Lord set the table. I don't know what your siege has got you in. I don't know what you're crying out for, but I can tell you the Lord will set the table for you. Just hang on. He's in the waiting. He hasn't forgot about you. You're not lost. Don't miss the power that he can show up. His presence changes everything, by the way. They return. They returned and entered another tent and took something. So they hid this stuff. Sorry, I missed that. Then they took silver and gold and clothes and went off and hid them. Because why not, right? You got nothing. You got nothing. Let's do this. They returned and entered another tent and took some things from it and hid them also. Next verse. Then they said, don't miss this. Then they said to each other, what we are doing is not what? Right. This is a day of good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. If we wait until daylight punishment will overtake us, let's go at once and report this to the royal palace. What we are doing is not right. Which brings me to another thing on the retro soul. It is always right to do the right thing. Church, it's always right to do the right thing. It's always right to do the right thing. It's always right to do the right thing. Why do we need to hammer this home? Why do we need to hear it so many times? Because we get in so many situations and we're going to go, I don't know what to do. Do the right thing. The right thing is always the right thing every single time. Why? Because God is on the side of the righteous. What do the righteous do? They do the right thing. God is on your side every time you do the right thing, no matter how hard, no matter the consequences, when you step up and you do the right thing, God is on your side every time. Why is this such a big deal? Because I live in a world where I keep watching people do the wrong thing and try and call it right. It's always right to do the right thing. May the mark on our lives be we are a family that will do the right thing every single time, no matter if it means where do you think the lepers went when they went back? They went back to the outside. And they get there and they go, hey, Jim, they're all gone, bro. Wait, what'd you say? Yeah, they're all gone, bro. There's no one there. But we'll just go sit in our shed. You guys go enjoy everything. And that's how the story goes. The lepers are done at that point and everybody else goes and gets all the stuff. Just because you do the right thing doesn't mean that everything's going to change and be amazing and, and what you think it is. You did the right thing. You're on the side of God. That's a pretty good place to be. That's where scheming ends. Can I show you something else in here? This is the day of what? Good news. And we are keeping it to ourselves. Can, can we talk real, real honest for one sec? like we haven't been the whole time. Um, real, real honest, y'all. If you have received good news from Jesus Christ and you're doing nothing with it, shame on you. 
Okay. You, you all okay? Because if Jesus has saved you, if you have received any good news from Jesus and you are choosing to do nothing with it, shame on you because you have been given good news and good news was always for others. Even the lepers get this, that you cannot keep it to yourself. So you wake up tomorrow and you go, if I've received anything from Jesus, then guess what? My job is to pass on the good news that you are to give it. Even in a siege, you are to give it. One more thing about the siege. You know what's amazing? Siege is here. They're eating babies. These guys start to go across the desert to the camp. The Lord has already done the work. The camp is empty. They're still living like they're in a siege. The camp is empty. Do you live like you're in a siege or do you live like the Lord has set you free? Like, do you, do you, are you still waiting for the miracle and God's going, I already gave it. What are you waiting for? You you wanted this to be over. I've already provided. You just got to walk into it. You just got to walk into it. And so we're going to walk into it today. We're going to, we're going to sing y'all. And I don't mean like, Hey man, we're just going (laughs) to praise Jesus. I mean, we're going to sing, and here's why. Because of the sound of the presence of God, the enemy had to leave. Where two or more are gathered, God says he's there. There looks like there's a little more than two. We're in good stead. But where the Lord is, where the Lord is, there is what? Freedom. There is healing. There is hope. There is restoration. I don't know about you today, but if you're in here and you go, I'm not in a siege. Okay, can you do me a favor? Can you get up and sing like you're free then? Because somebody else next to you might just need to hear your voice call for the presence of God so that they can feel the freedom that Jesus has bought them. Church, we're a family and sometimes family means we stand in the gap for one another and worship is one of those spaces. I am becoming more convinced. I don't know if this is good news or bad news for you. I don't, probably shouldn't talk about it. I'm becoming more convinced than the word sets the way for worship. I'm becoming more convinced that when we walk in here, man, I haven't done it for a long time, but on a day off and I come with my family to church or when we're out of town and we're trying to get to church and we walk in and the first thing I get is music. And to be honest with you, I can't even remember who I was before I got there because it's just been scramble, scramble, scramble. And now it's like, right? (laughs) I don't have anything to give in that moment. I think we're supposed to receive before we give. I think we're supposed to take from the word of God. And I hope today that you've been reminded that you are loved dearly by him. I hope that you're reminded that he is for you, that he is powerful, that he is on your side, that you are not alone, that what you're facing will not be the end. I hope, I hope that you know for you that, that, that today is the day. I hope that you have hope. I hope that you, you leave here with a bigger view of God than you came in with. But what I hope is that you've received something because worship is a response of my soul to who he is and what he's done. And so when we stand and sing, worship is a response, church. And so we're going to respond. 
And we're going to sing like those that are free. We're going to sing like those that we have a God who today is his day and there is no enemy that can stand again. We're going to sing like that today. And we're going to declare who he is and what he's done. And so I'm going to pray and then we're, we're going to sing together. God, we come before you. Just the word God separates you out. You are majestic and holy. You are righteous. You do not need anything to sustain you. You are the one who sustains it all. And God, we are humbled today that you are so madly in love with us that you would pursue us, that you would chase us, that you would not allow us to to live in moments and spaces that hurt us. But God, you also show up when the enemy comes, that just your voice, Lord, sets us free. Today, God, we ask that as we sing, as we worship you, as we make much of you, God, would we feel your presence in this place? Would we know, God, that you are for us? Would you bolster us up from the inside that when we leave these doors, that our souls would be full because we have received from you and your word and we are giving back in our worship. And so, God, these next moments are yours. Give us courage to sing like those who have been purchased with the blood of Christ on a cross. Thank you for freedom. Thank you for grace, mercy. Thank you for forgiveness. Thank you for rescuing us in our siege. We love you. And everybody said, amen.